Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the Zero 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 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. I am quick to be like, who sent you? Help me fix my stuff so I can move on. That's something my grandmother used to always tell me. Just just keep living. You need to go to therapy because you're messed up. Welcome. You are tuned into Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. This is a safe space for honest and relevant conversations intended to recharge Black women and fuel Black girl magic. We're your hosts, Akila Friend and Dawn Montgomery, and each week we'll be addressing a range of topics from self-care, entrepreneurship, to politics and relationships. Join us as we explore and bask in the joys of Black womanhood. Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. We're your hosts. I'm Akilah Friend. And this is Don Montgomery. <laughs> and so Don just helped me, like, take a little hair off of my... I don't know what it is. I'm like, am I still supposed to be doing blonde or not? Because this week especially, like, I've been noticing, like... I wash my hair. I mm-hmm. see little hair. Like, and I'm like, okay. It's just shedding. That's it. I don't and know, but I shed, like, I know my shedding patterns. Right, right, and right. And so right. to have this a little more, I'm like, don't because, tell me. Because it's colored now. Yeah. But maybe. even when it was colored, it was still like, you know, it still had right, 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 did right, right. what it needs to do. Right. I got an appointment in two days with my hairstylist. So I'm about to tell him all the things. I'm like, sorry. What do we need to do? Because if it's saying, like, enough with the blonde, then I'll hear you, Lord. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the message. Yes. Okay. But it looks so good on you. Thank you I love that. I love to see black women, especially dark skinned black women in blonde. Like it Talk it does something it, to me. Right? It is it's the confidence. It's very sexy. It gives me it almost gives me royalty a lot of times yes. when I see the, how it's okay. worn, you know, just just because just they own it. it. They own you. it. And I it's like you. it's just like when you see a black woman with a shaved head. Shaved like, head, it's natural like, hair, these Yes, days, ma'am, you right, better, you right. know. <laughs> Okay, we're not talking about hair today, but we can. can. Today is probably, I think, what might be the biggest topic, one of the most important topics that we can talk about Mm -hmm. as black women, as women, as people, right? Period. And that's just your mental health, right? And I know, Don. obviously you've been super vocal, Mm -hmm. and we all thank you for that, super vocal (laughs) about your story, about just your experiences. Not only just like to say mental health is the sum of your your experience, but just just to even bring that up and make it so public, I think, in a world where we still are like testing the waters well like yeah, yeah, is yeah. this still a safe sure. space can we really sure. go there? because most it. people they're like they'll watch everyone else share their own opinions or you know honestly their lived experiences and then they're like depending on how people react to them they'll either hold back and especially mm. if it's like their followers or their friends or people yeah. that they know their peers mm-hmm. that are responding negatively to it yes. they're like okay I'm not revealing that and yes. I think that's kind of one of the things underlining in this type of you know issue and situation that we rarely can really confront and be honest about where it's hard for people to say check on your strong friend or mm-hmm. check on your friend or what mm-hmm. blah 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 when you know your friend just saw you blast somebody else for sharing that type that's of experience and that's why they don't want to be open about right right or Mm -hmm. don't even know exactly how they might still be open but it's like Mm -hmm. okay is there another way because it seems like the way that people tend to do it you're not receptive to that part yeah Yeah. you're right okay well i know there's a question i said i was going to ask you first and i Mm -hmm. think you know just to prep you guys why 
I thought this is an important one is because like oftentimes when we talk about, you know, mental trauma, mental mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. episodes, however you want to phrase it, mm-hmm. just, you know, meant someone mental health journey. We kind of don't really see that sometimes people who talk about it, in my opinion, that doesn't mean that there's still not any shame around it. That there, are, you right, know, right, right, you know, right. That there's, That's true. Yeah, anything around it, or that there's like sometimes the things that we talk about are things that we resent the most. And I would say yeah, say that personally, for me yeah. at least. Sometimes what I broadcast is is it's a coping thing, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm like, listen, I'm still going through it, mm-hmm. but I'm strong enough to talk about it. But that doesn't mean I'm over it, right. or that it's not still a part of me in some way. And so right, the question right. I have for you was like. What do you feel shame about, like when it comes to me? So for me, I think the suicide attempts, they can be the most shameful things because in the situation where you get to be that low, you know, and you think the only way out is to un- unalive yourself, you know, if it's not successful or if it doesn't carry out, you're literally like, well, shoot what am I here for? And then it's almost like you have like this survivor's guilt or you have the shame that comes along with, well, why did I even get to that low? Like, why did I even feel that bad? Mm -hmm. Like, what am I not doing for myself? Mm -hmm. So talking about suicide itself is a lot for me just because it makes me feel a way, you know, because there were about six or seven attempts for me. And the last one was a loaded gun and it never went off. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where personally, I rarely try to talk about the suicide parts, you know, because that can be a bit much for Mm -hmm. people. I mean, even revealing that could have been a lot for somebody. But just overall showing like living with bipolar disorder, putting a face on it. That's never been anything that anybody could shame me about. True. Okay. So we're going to dial back to like everything, right? I know we kind of we're jumping in and out, in and out. And and, and part of it is because (laughs) I want to make sure like. Talking about your life doesn't mean talking about mental, your mental trauma or things of that nature. And that's just like it's a part of you, but it's not you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I don't want to do this conversation in, in a level of where it's like, OK, when, what happened first? And then what happened yeah. next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What happened next? Very news. Like, you know, very very, it's like, well, like reporting live like, exactly. from the couch. And we are asking this black woman, <laughs> how is her mental state? Right? Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like what was going on? And so like. Let's just dial back to what you said earlier. We're mm-hmm. not going to go too deep into the mm-hmm. suicide attempts, but I mm-hmm. think it's very like interesting. Seven attempts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When was the first one? When was the last one? So the first one was um, I was about 15, mm-hmm. my sophomore year in high school. And that was a very tough year. People say like your freshman year is kind of hard because mm-hmm. it's a big transition. But my freshman year, I thrived. I was I like, oh, it. yes, I'm here. <laughs> but my sophomore year, it was like a slump because okay. I had changed schools. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. And then it was back in a county in Mississippi that I just I never felt at home or at peace in this particular county like it's just like I mean the history of this county is very like Mississippi Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so I mean anybody listening you know what that means (laughs) and so for me facing racism coming from one school to another and then kind of like being in a majority black diverse school but in this poor county where most people they just weren't really trying to do things like they weren't trying to be in you know special clubs if it wasn't athletics they weren't they didn't care you know mm-hmm. me i was in everything you know what i'm Love saying that. and so it was a lonely lonely time for me and it was mm-hmm. one of those times where i was like okay this is where you have to learn how to be on your own mm-hmm. and be okay and to show up in those spaces for yeah. us yeah. you know even though some people may not want to be there you're there so I think it might have been like right in the fall, like right around homecoming. Like I wasn't really hanging out with people. I wasn't really doing a lot. And then just in general at that time, there was so many life changes that were happening in my household that, you know, I still talk to my mom about about how I just wish she would have just sat us down and talked to us like, hey, this is fixing to happen Mm -hmm. or this is what I'm choosing to do. And it's mind you, a black mama telling a black mama that they need to talk to their kids, but child, (laughs) whatever. But I think that that's kind of why I've had a strong relationship with my kids because anytime that there was a life change coming or something that I needed to decide to do for me that would benefit them in some type of way I'd sit them down so at that time I didn't have that so I'm trying to figure out how to cope Mm -hmm. well eventually if you're 15 and you don't know what else to do and you don't have any like outlets real outlets to really kind of get that energy out or those feelings out you're harboring all that in so the next things that come up are mostly negative things that you're processing or trying to like not listen to in your mind Mm -hmm. and immediately it was just like okay I'm just gonna take some pills let's try that Mm -hmm. and that was my first attempt and then that's when it was like 
oh, even though you were diagnosed at nine or 10 with bipolar disorder or with clinical depression, we now know that it is bipolar disorder because I was diagnosed at 15. So just to clarify, like, so 10 years old, Mm -hmm. clinical depression is Mm -hmm. what you were told. What what, what I was told after dealing with childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and going to therapy, I was diagnosed with that. that. And then the the suicide attempt, it was when they kind of like clarified, okay, this is what it is, you know? And then my last attempt was while I was married, it just wasn't a good day. At the time, I was a stay-at-home mom. Shouts out to the stay-at-home moms because, baby, that is a full job, yeah, okay? I believe it. And it was a transition at the time because I was getting ready to create a sports media company. or Well, at the time, I didn't think it would be a company. I was thinking a sports blog, sports right. media blog. And I was supporting my ex-husband. And this particular day, I went to court to kind of support him, be there for him or whatever. And it was just something about our interaction Mm -hmm. that day. And mind you, there were other things that were like coming up and whatever. But eventually, by the time I left that courthouse, I was in probably one of the lowest places I had ever been in years. And mind you, I've lived through Hurricane Katrina, being homeless for like less than a year with a child, like all of the things. So it was like for that to be the moment where I'm like, I check out. I was like, oh, no, let me get home. Let me get my kids. Let me tell a family member to meet me at the hospital so I can put myself on a 72 hour hold. And it was like before I could even get there, there was an attempt like I said, with the the weapon, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. And then it was just like, okay, well, shoot, let me just get the keys in the car and just mm-hmm. get to the hospital. And to be in that type of mind frame where it's like, let me just get the Do kids, something. make sure right. they're gonna be safe, and then I'm gonna check mm-hmm. myself in. Like most people can't logically think no. along those lines. No. So that's why I tell a lot of people when mm-hmm. we deal with a lot of mass shootings and gun violence mm-hmm. here in America, their first reaction is to say, oh, this person is mentally ill. Don't do that. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Because mm-hmm. most of us, yeah. and I think I'm very well versed on this and, and have researched this enough to know that I can speak on this and say this publicly, most of us are thinking about harming ourselves Yourself. first yep, before true. we do that, that to anybody, anyone with, else. Right. And mm-hmm. that in itself brings a lot of shame mm-hmm. because why would you want to harm yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the question that most people can't really answer. Yes, right? yes, the and reason? then that confusion mm-hmm. is just like it plays over and over again. Yeah. And then if you put that with the negative thoughts or whatever had happened to that person, that's it. That's a lot to yeah. put on somebody mm-hmm. and ask them to try to figure out how to sit down and process that on their own. Yeah, I'm gonna attempt to do that now because I'm trying mm-hmm. to think through, and that's just me, my brain working. Mm-hmm. So if there's no commonality, let me know. <laughs> but I'm thinking like, okay. Is there like a common feeling or a common like probably it's not the same life experience, the same trigger, but something Mm. that you can now look back on and say, okay, this is when I know I might 
be, be in a state of wanting to harm myself. Like, yes, to yes. To, is I, there something? And if that's something I, that you're kind of over. And I say, and you use the, you use the right word, trigger. Mm-hmm. Right. Most people don't know their triggers. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like as life changes and when you're growing through life, your triggers change. Yes. Whether it's your environment, whether it's how you, like your parents, you're, you're being raised a certain mm-hmm. way. My trigger at that time was literally my marriage. Like it was, oh. it was one of those things where we had done the work. Yeah. We were trying to figure out how to make it work. Things weren't working out. Mm-hmm. And we both were honest about that. Right. And things were just happening to where, you know, if you have such an ambitious woman mm-hmm. who is stuck in the house, mm-hmm. who's taking care of the kids, who's mm-hmm. doing all of the things, doesn't have an, a real outlet, right. is separated from family, not really connected mm-hmm. to friends and family yep. like that way that we normally, yep. we thrive in community. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. When we don't have that, it's, yeah. a, it's a wrap. Yeah. So... I just would realize in certain spaces, a lot of times for me, if I ever felt lonely or Mm. because I'll tell people like with dating, I'm alone. I'm not lonely. But in real life, I can feel lonely because of how either I parent and most parents don't agree with that Mm. or being like a person who is very proud to be how I am sexually. And most black women don't relate to that, Mm -hmm. you know. That can be a very lonely time, you know, and so if if there's a new trigger that pops up or if there's something like life changes, like anytime I pivot Mm -hmm. or do something different, Mm -hmm. I'm mindful, okay, you need to make sure that you're taking the time to kind of process what this will feel like and look like for you. And then on a greater scale, I can kind of like map out while journaling, like, oh, okay, girl, you need a day. You need a mental health day. Like, you need to chill. You need to, like, this is where you need to kind of get back to you and your inner work. I feel that 100%. And I feel like that's like a level of awareness that is a gift to just be able to say, listen, I know I need to, this is what I need to do because I know how I can get if I don't. Yes, yes, yes. How did you get to that level? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you. So I'm going to say the thing that we're not really supposed to say, but I'm going to be honest a lot of prayer and I say that a lot of people shouldn't really try to say well pray it away I'm not saying that what Mm -hmm. I'm saying is is really going to God and saying reveal to me what it is that you're trying to show me because a lot of times when Mm -hmm. we're in those depressive states it's things that we're either doing to ourselves mm-hmm. or the environment that we're in or life just ha- happens. Right. You know, life be mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. Like, that's my phrase. Life be <laughs> life okay? And so when life lives and it does its thing and that's out of your control, that can be very depressing. Yes. That can be yes. very isolating. Yes. That can be very, like, it, it'll limit how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just more so really checking in. God, what are we doing? Like, yeah. me and you are a team. I know I'm not by myself, but right. physically, I do feel alone. Mm-hmm. So, like... How do I work through that? I've done that since probably that first attempt, you know, really? just really yeah. getting close to him. And most people, they hear my mouth like maybe I curse like an Irish <laughs> sailor. Do you hear me? And I am Irish. So let me just put okay. that out there. So Irish and black. So I'm like, but for me, it's just one of those things where. I'm like, you can't check someone's relationship with God based on what your spiritual experience is. And so Mm -hmm. me and God, we got a relationship. Like we know he, you know, me. you created me. (laughs) So you know me, but it took a lot of like Mm -hmm. praying. It took a lot of journaling. It took Mm -hmm. a lot of therapy, being honest with myself and being very transparent and and blunt Mm -hmm. in my therapy sessions. Like I was like when I was in sessions, I'd I just blurt something out, and my therapist would be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> Not the therapist. We got, we got to pull that back, and I'm like, "Well, you can't take that, like right. you know, you know, because you think that that's where your outlet's supposed to right. be." But then I learned, you come with your notes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. Teach me. Listen, you come with your notes because you have your thoughts and you have things that you want to discuss. And let's let's walk through Mm -hmm. that. Let's have a plan. So I learned that like early on, like maybe around my junior year, junior year. Yeah, I was right around 16, 17 about that That's what I wanted to ask you, too, because you touched on it earlier. Mm -hmm. The idea of like, you know, obviously when you first went to therapy and was diagnosed Mm -hmm. and the next time, Mm -hmm. whatever. But you it. The commonality is you've been going to therapy. Right? I have been going to therapy. <laughs> when did that start for you? So that started for me when I came out publicly at school, was talking to a friend and kind of revealed to her some things that me and my father were doing at home. And she was like, wait a minute. Literally, like her hands were up. She was like, whoa, 
you don't do that with your dad. Like, so I was sexually abused. How old were you? I was between the ages of six and nine. And at this time, I'm just now realizing how to find the words to kind of talk about it. And I have this friend and I'm trying to explain it to her. And one of the things that she did was she immediately, she didn't really kind of like shun me. So Mm -hmm. that kind of gave me a little more confidence or whatever to kind of keep talking about it. But it was more so, wait, let me go find an adult. Right. So she went and found our teacher. We sat down at the playground talking. Mind you, this was back in the day when they used to have like little um, walkie talkies or little things that they could they could like tag or do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the guidance counselor came. And sat down at a table outside, still at recess. Mm -hmm. And recess ends up being over. And my friend in the class, my classmates go in. And I'm still sitting outside talking to two adults until a service officer comes in and is like, they got to contact my mom, my parents. Mm -hmm. Because now, like, they have the duty to report. They have to report this. Mm -hmm. And so... Going through that process, it was like, okay, talking to the guidance counselor, going through that, seeing my father be arrested later on that afternoon, um, then being told by Mm -hmm. attorneys, okay, well, in the state of Ohio, this is how we have to process these things. We have Mm -hmm. to really allow the child to be in therapy. And I learned early on because I could identify my body parts. I could identify things that happened. I could really express what was happening to me at nine years old. They were like, what? That's incredible. Because most children... Children aren't taught the body parts, right. the real names of them. Mm-hmm. Most children aren't, you know, told certain things yeah. to where they can kind of remember like what that is mm-hmm. and kind of express how mm-hmm. that feels or mm-hmm. something. And now all of this is pertaining to sex. So I know this may make some people uncomfortable, but it's a reality. It happens. Yes. Yes. And so in doing that and mm-hmm. talking through that. One of the things that I do appreciate that my mom did after I had to testify against my father, my father then later apologized to me when he was sentenced. I didn't feel any shame or guilt from that. But when we left Ohio and went back to Mississippi, my mom, the first thing she did, she said, I'm getting her a therapist. Wow. Because clearly there's nothing that I can really help her with because I didn't have mm-hmm. the words when it happened to me. Right. I don't understand why she came out as young as she did to say mm-hmm. what she had to say. And it was like, it didn't come from a malicious place. It was just like, I can't help you, but I've got to find you the help. So Okay. So it said you. it happened to your mom as well. Uh-huh. Which... You hear about so often mm-hmm. just the generational trauma related mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like. And she still doesn't speak about it. You yeah. know, she'll, she's talked to us about it on the surface, which is why I'm confident that it's OK that I, that right. I shared that. Right. But for her, I think it was one of those things where it was like, wow, this child, she like she's really she's she's really stepping out. And mm-hmm. this is what this looks like to kind of not only just advocate for yourself, but really to break that type of mm-hmm. curse. Um, And so we've talked about that you know a lot and and I've always told her that I've been very proud of her we've had some disconnect Mm -hmm. because like that changed our entire lifestyle that changed everything for all of us Mm -hmm. but the older I get the more I really understand why her first inkling was to just find me help and then allow that to kind of be the thing that kind of kept our family you know together and 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 just the the thought about that too because I'm glad also that that was her first inkling Mm -hmm. but just thinking through just the evolution of the mm-hmm. stigma of therapy. Mm-hmm. So just for her to say that then mm-hmm. was still like, wow, like huge. that's huge. Huge because that's most huge. people would be like, I'm know. not finna right. I'm not finna let my child go speak mm-hmm. to some stranger or blah blah blah. Because right. I've I've heard that, you know, from yep. other kids that were coming in and their parents were against it, but then a few sessions later, they're coming in and apologizing yes. because they're like, I didn't even understand what it was that you actually do, you know, and mm-hmm. just for her to have my back like that, yeah. even though she couldn't protect me. And I think that that's something that she deals with is that she couldn't protect I, me. I and I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you getting me help, help. was what matters, yeah. in my opinion, that's you know, good. like. It's only so much you can do. It's true. Is there a time when you felt, because, you know, I'm starting my therapy journey now, too. Like, you know, I haven't been to a therapist beforehand. This is my second. But, like, first, like, okay, I'm being consistent with Uh it. uh When did you feel that therapy was actually working? Because it's one thing for you to go, especially at a young age. Did you immediately was like, okay, I'm in in where I need to be? Or did that take some time? That took some time. I, I would really say, so there was a suicide attempt in college at Fort Valley State. And that kind of changed how they dealt with dealing with mental health on Mm -hmm. campus at that HBCU, which is I'm like, okay, if I can create change, it worked, you know, (laughs) like that's there's always a bright side to something. I love that you see that. 
But even then, it was kind of like I thought I had it mm. because, mm-hmm. mind you, my junior year of high school that summer, I went to D.C. to intern at the White House. And that was very isolated. I was the only black intern at the time. Mm. I'm from Mississippi. Right. People already, culture you know, shock, have like shock. a stereotype right. towards Mississippian. So I'm just like, well, whatever. So then like my senior year when I graduated, the very next day after my graduation, I went back for another internship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I got this. You know what I'm saying? I was way more confident in all the things. And then when I got to campus and it's like nothing but black people I had never seen that in my life I was like what in the world (laughs) like what type of Disneyland is this you know but it was also hard because I was also someone who at that age like 18 19 was coming out talking about mental health Mm -hmm. was telling people honestly like I am bipolar like I live with this or Mm -hmm. hearing girls in the dormitory talk about them being depressed and I'm like let's create a circle let's talk Mm -hmm. and everybody's looking at me like what is wrong with you you know what I'm saying and so and my attempt then was more of a situation where my uncle had passed and then my grandmother was getting sick and I couldn't get home so that was another Mm -hmm. change another trigger Mm -hmm. but just overall for me when I really knew it worked was when Hurricane Katrina hit and instead of me feeling depressed that we didn't have a home after that because in certain parts of South Mississippi we all got flooded out Like, we might not have had uh, the hurricane or some of the tornadoes, but we got so much rain that most of our houses where we lived in certain parts of Mississippi, because a lot of the black neighborhoods are in lower areas, so they flood easier. Mm -hmm. And so most of our houses were flooded out, except Mm -hmm. for, and then there was this one family, they lived on a higher end of the, the area, and they were people we knew. We had, like, about four or five different types of families in this house or around the house, outside the house. And I was the only one who had a newborn baby like my child was like less than three months old so every day I was just grateful we were alive I was just grateful that we had people around us Mm -hmm. and at that time even if I didn't have anybody around me the way my mindset was I was like oh wow this is what this feels like (laughs) like this is like I've gotten all these coping mechanisms I've got all these things that I can possibly think and do and still like really try to connect with this baby in so many ways but we don't have a home we don't have our own bed like all of these things so it's like that's when I really knew resilience okay yes so what made you keep going just because it was like well Um, might as well so what made me keep going was definitely saying to myself well you might as well like (laughs) yes I'm gonna agree with that but also just like what happens when it's good do I just go because it's bad right do I just go because something happened to me or something Mm -hmm. um, triggers me or all of things because again life lives right Right. and so in the process of life doing its thing we go through these different types of emotional roller coasters we're up we're down we're like stagnant we're going we're coasting or what have you and when we're up in these up there on the mountains and then when we're down in these valleys there are different emotions that we're associating with these different types of feelings right and so for me it was like bruh even when I'm happy I need to talk to somebody because there are a lot of people who are maybe around me that aren't happy themselves Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. this is a new type of happy like Mm -hmm. why do I feel like this you know like what does is this okay <laughs> that I feel like this? Because you know, yes. as black women, we are very skeptical. Going dry, we right? <laughs> are very skeptical because I am quick to be like, "Who sent you?" Mm-hmm. Like are you in my life to do something to me? Yes. Like you know, and I yes. have every right to it's maybe true. question someone's presence, of course. Of course. but it shouldn't always come from a mm-hmm. a defense mechanism. I should say where it's like. I'm just I'm always looking for something so yeah like I was I just mentioned this on Mm -hmm. social media where I was like literally the other day I'm basically dating around to find a therapist so I've only had since I've been in Atlanta since 2007 this is my third therapist okay that's huge I think that's great (laughs) I've been good at picking (laughs) picking my people (laughs) but I'm close to I'm I'm in between two therapists now who I'm basic and they know what I'm doing. They know mm-hmm. that I'm trying to see which one best works with my schedule, mm-hmm. which side of town they're on because right. you know how that is yes. in Metro Atlanta. Come on. <laughs> because it don't make no sense for me to go to therapy and then I gotta drive an hour in traffic, mm-hmm. drive back. Like I need therapy when I get home. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so in dealing with that. I post it where it's like I am in a good place in my life and I still know that I want to talk to somebody about Mm. that. Like I still know that I want to hear someone tell me this is the work that you put in and this is what you're getting out of it now. That's so I love that. And I think 
that's not what what I think about when I think of therapy. <laughs> for me, it's more, I mean, I know that's the right way, right? Wait. But I think for me, it's more like, okay, I got all this stuff. <laughs> Help me fix my stuff so I can move on and do right. my do what I need to do on my own. But right. I, but I, I when like you move yes. on mm-hmm. when you move on and you yes. get there. You still should be wanting to talk to somebody it's, it's and it's say, very true. and say, hey, let's document this moment. Let's mm-hmm. document where I am, so that when I do get in those valleys, yes. I mean, in those low points, mm-hmm. I know that there's a point of reference that's going to show Hell me. me mm-hmm. Just get through it. Right. Keep living. Just right. keep living. That's something my grandmother used to always tell me. Just, Aww. just keep living. Yes, you know, it's gonna get better. It's yeah. gonna be. Something else on the other side. The thing you thought you wanted is not what you probably needed and more is coming. Better is coming. So, yeah. Like I said, we were going to go back and forth. Okay, so no for what you, what you said earlier was the idea that when you first went to therapy, uh-huh. they diagnosed you as um, clinically depressed. Yes. Right. Yes. Did you personally, before even going, did you ever have any signs for yourself as a young child at that point? Like, is something different about me? Yes. Right. <laughs> How did that go? And what's the what baby? Right? <laughs> I just was not a people's person. As mm. much as it, and you know how I am with yeah. people. I love people. Right. But at a young age, I was so isolated. Mm. Like if I didn't, we didn't have something in common. There was no need for me to come up to you and talk to you. If I was somewhere at a birthday party, nine times out of ten, I could do a few minutes with the kids, right. and then I'm off to myself. Like my mom would always notice that I'm generally off to myself. But I, but at the end of the day, I still had like this bubbly personality, yes. so you, they never could really tell. Right. Again, the bipolar, the mm. spectrum. Like one minute you you are depressed, or the next minute you're manic and you're happy and you're all the things. Mm. So so, yeah, there were a lot of times where I could see that, especially in school, oh. where I just really just didn't care for, you know, the typical things that most kids would want to talk about. So I tell people it's like a lot of times I feel like most of us who are advocates who do put a face on our illnesses, mm-hmm. we tend to try to show people like we can thrive mm-hmm. no matter what. A lot of times there's a there's a blessing in those situations. I'm not yeah. saying that everybody should want to have a mental no, illness no, and right. that that's a badge of honor because trust, you don't want this shit. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is those of us mm-hmm. that have worked through all of the things that have happened to us, yeah. all of the things that may not have happened to us and it's just a chemical imbalance itself, yeah. just kind of processing how our brain works. Yeah. That's, I think there's a gift in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain that a little bit for uh-huh. me. When you say bipolar disorder Type two, I don't know. Uh-huh, the exact type word. two, type two. Yeah. Okay. So, what does that really mean? You mentioned the man- manic, manic, mm-hmm. and depressive states. So how does that? So, how does it look like bipolar for you? is mm-hmm. more like you have these ranges of emotions, and it can be up or down, and that's probably the basic like, way right. to explain mm-hmm. it. Um, but then that up and down, mm-hmm. if we go into a more scientific standpoint, is more of the chemical imbalance. Like yeah. there's something that you're lacking or that you're missing in your brain that's not triggering the happy, and it's mm-hmm. triggering more of the sad. Gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. and so. If I'm talking about bare minimum, that's it. (laughs) But then there's two to three different types of bipolar. There is the type one where it's mostly manic, mostly happy on the high end of Mm -hmm. things. Like, And when I say manic, not necessarily just always happy all the time. Like, oh, my God, why is she so happy? No, more so like they have some type of obsessive like type thing that they're doing or they overspend. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's one of the things Mm -hmm. where I know, like if I'm online, it's, it's not your typical. Oh, I'm just laying in. Be a No, I'm like thinking. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Far ahead of some stuff, and I'm just buying random stuff, and I'm like, girl, what is this? So, like, that type of thing. And then type two is more of the depressive Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. where you have more sad, your moods tend to be more sad, and it takes you a little while to kind of get out of that. And so, for me, one of the things that I've done is I've just been able to kind of, like, with journaling, it's really big for me. That has really been a telltale for me when I know, oh, girl, you need to take a step back, or Mm -hmm. you need to change how you're eating, or Mm -hmm. you need to exercise more or Mm -hmm. you need to go you need to go on a trip like because it'll make you happy 
i.e. why I go to Asheville at least three or four times a year (laughs) because I know I can get that mental reset, you know? So, um, and then I think the other one, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, and I'm sorry, I did not try to make sure that I looked all these up for sure, but I think it's called cyclomania, and it's just a cycle, yeah, just a consistent cycle. And it's just like, yeah, so... Just kind of like understanding those distinctions and the older I got to where I realized that I was type two. Like, I think I found that out right before I got engaged. That was going to be my next question. Because life was changing. And then I was just like, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times when we don't know what's wrong with us, that creates shame. When we don't know why we're so different, that Mm -hmm. creates shame or that creates some type of guilt for us. So to kind of really put a name on it, because, you know, you hear this in the church, don't Mm -hmm. claim it, you know, don't name it and claim true, it, you know, true. like that type of deal. Yeah. No, I'm naming, I'm claiming, <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do what I do. You know right. what I'm saying? And God didn't put us on this earth without having these experts in these fields yeah. to help us get through those things and kind of process the things that we need. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, on one hand, I'm not telling people to pray it away, but it's more so like seek the help, yeah. find somebody. Maybe you can't do it with your friends. Maybe you can't talk to your friends or and all of the things. And maybe you are the strong friend and you don't really realize that you need someone to talk to, even though everything could be good for you. Right. You could have that genuine, just consistent stability. Mm-hmm. God bless you. You are mm-hmm. one of God's mm-hmm. children. But you need to talk to somebody. So it's good to like at least have that the name and I can completely understand with that. Like the cat just to categorize me a little bit. Like how can I really put like a name to all this to like lessen the confusion? But I think for me too, I'm thinking with you, like how did that probably change any of your relationships with family, friends, Ooh, with work? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it was like, okay, finally we know what's up with. <laughs> so, family-wise, my family was extremely supportive. My mother, she's now a pastor. She's been a pastor for roughly, I want to say about four or five years now. Mm-hmm. But my grandmother, who I, I, I generally will always center around my mental health conversations and just life conversations, she was someone who helped really raise me. And she was a pastor majority of her life. And this woman... Literally, I talk about this instance all the time because it's just mind blowing. Black woman standing in the midst in front of a congregation is like right after the temp. She's just like, we're going to help her Mm. and we're going to find her some help. Mm. We're not going to just pray about it. Mm -hmm. And she broke it down for the congregation to really understand that either they're dealing with something that they're not seeking help about because they don't see someone else doing it. But she was putting it on front street. And it was one of those things where she asked me if that was okay. Like to get consent from a child because you know how we are with our with, with yes. in, our, in our community yes. we put child business die like, in a minute right. you know <laughs> so the fact that she asked for her consent yes. like she and then she placed it in front of our entire congregation mm. our community those people to this day look out for me those people that. still to this day are checking in on me and are happy that I've wow. I've been living life like wow. I didn't let this stop me now from a relationship standpoint <laughs> let's go over there it's It's been a very hard thing to do to find men who are okay with the woman telling them I need a moment I need to remove myself Um, I need a mental health day you might not hear from me for a full day but it doesn't mean that I'm not thinking about you or or that I don't care about you I I I I I and not think that it's not coming from a selfish standpoint it's actually helping me Right. Like it's my I, my mental health needs this. Yes. And then and you will be the beneficiary listen, of this. Like, baby, right. let me mm-hmm. get my mind right and yes. you can get whatever you okay. want, honey. Okay. <laughs> 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 like, I'm just saying. So it was very, very hard when eventually something that I was just so excited about because people used to tell me because I was so honest about my disorder as well as my sexual, you know, trauma and mm-hmm. things like that, where they were like, ain't no man gonna want you. And I'm like, Baby, right. right. Like, I don't even believe that. And I just feel like it's just one of those things that I do believe, though, that there are people who prey upon people like that because they want to draw out that type of energy or to just trigger. You can can then manipulate in one way. They're there. They're Mm -hmm. there. But the thing about it is, is that 
when you know who you are, I, yes. I think that's going to be a common thing for yes. me on talking on here. Yes. It's just when yes. you know who you are, no one can make you feel away. No that's one it. can kind of take that away from you. So mm-hmm. I think that that's been very powerful for me in date dating mm-hmm. is just being very upfront about who I am yes. yeah. and then just understanding like if there's a delay in me responding yeah. back to you, I could be literally going through something right. Right. like and I'm just telling you it, it has nothing to do with yes. you. Just yes. be patient with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's been a, a hard one because and, and the older I've gotten, it doesn't really matter because it's out there now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So and I think majority of the people who do like try to talk to me, they'll then come to me on a standpoint of like, oh, well, you know, I tend to have these feelings, too. Or uh, what does it say about me? You know, for the women, what does it say about me if I do this? Blah blah. blah. Girl, I, 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 I'm not a clinician. I, right. Like, <laughs> I'm my just, life my like, I'm trying to just love you <laughs> right <laughs> like no so you know and it's just one of those things where you just have to be mindful like I'm gonna be who I'm who I'm gonna be I'm gonna show up as I am mm-hmm. but for a lot of people that can be triggering for them how does that then you know when it comes to conversations with your children or interactions oh, with your children wow. you know how does that so the yeah. funny thing about <laughs> that is is like my oldest let me start with him Sean um, he's 17 Sean, as a child, especially because we went through Hurricane Katrina and we went through a whole lot, he went through probably the most with me. Mm-hmm. Sean could tell you at the age of maybe five or six, if it was raining, mm-hmm. don't talk to my mom. Yeah. Like, mom doesn't need this. Or he'll get up early mm-hmm. and he's like trying to help me get ready for the day, like little things like that. Yeah. And mind you, I never pressured him or asked right. him to do these things. It was just in his nature yeah. to make sure mm-hmm. that I was going to be okay because right. he could see me struggling. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in talking to him as he got older, you know, I've always asked him, did you feel like that was your responsibility? Did you feel like that was like something mm-hmm. heavy on you? And he was like, in so many ways, he was like, maybe when I was younger, I thought like maybe your mental illness was like cancer. Like in a lot of ways, like, you like, know, what do I need like to do that's how he yeah. identified, mm-hmm. identified it. And, then as he got older, he was just like, oh, no, it's not that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really your mind. It's really how you are dealing with things, how you're processing things. And so for him, it made him want to pay more attention to those signs, really kind of study up on those things. Mm-hmm. And so even with him and his friends, he's so transparent. He's so honest with his friends. And most of them are just like they've asked me personally Maybe if you hadn't had your disorder or what you were going through, maybe we wouldn't have had him come into our lives to where we could kind of go and go seek help mm-hmm. or go and go look into other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a blessing, that's a you know, like, yeah. because most kids, they're not really talking about those serious mm-hmm. situations, no. you know. So my middle son, Christopher, he has recently talked to me about the word crazy. Mm. He notices that him and his peers use the word crazy a lot. Yeah. And he's heard me in conversations about how to use crazy, not when to use crazy and all of those things. And then, two, he's really in a um, generation that they notice in the news that there's tons of mass shootings, right, especially in schools. And so the last conversation we had was Uvalde in Texas. And he said, you know, one of his classmates tried to say that the shooter was crazy. And he was like, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. He was like, because there are actual people who, if you label them that they actually have illnesses. And he was like, that was the first time he really kind of like stood up to someone and Mm -hmm. just was like, I know something about that. You're not going (laughs) to talk about that. But in his mind, he processed that as you're not going to talk about my mom. Mm. Like, like that's how he took it. Yes. And so I told him, I was like, well, I ain't shooting up. No, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be the person to say that, but I understood the connection, you know, for my daughter. I think what it's going to do for her, because she's just been so amazing. She's been one of those. She's a NICU grad. So which means, she, you know, she was in the NICU for a couple months and she's just one of those babies where they they said she wouldn't be able to do the things she's doing now. And she's like exceptional. So I just, I light up when I talk about her and my boys, because my boys were really like praying over her and me and praying over us and just like really doing all of the things. So my kids are very, very proud of me. So the fact that my kids are proud of me and they know that their mother has a mental illness or they know that their mother is previously divorced. They know that their mother had dealt with childhood trauma, all of the things. And she's very vocal about those things that to me, God, thank you. You got it. You got it. Like, thank you. Right. You also mentioned, and we see all obviously from here, like you're vocal, you're open about not only your experiences, but just about being a mental health advocate in general. Like what got you to a point to say, no, 
I'm going to have to talk about it. And not just to my friends and family, but to the world in a sense. When social, social. media came became a thing. Oh, so um, from the beginning. From like, the beginning. Okay. Like, I was, I think, and I think Facebook was my place mm. where... I was really able to kind of like share notes. I was writing. I was using my writing to kind of like express different thoughts. And you'd be surprised. Like, and I tell people this. I don't, I rarely even talk about mental health as much as I used to. Yeah. But I get thousands of people messaging me mm. on any platform. Wow. I'm not on Facebook no more. Because yeah. after, you know, Trump, that last president, <laughs> I was <laughs> off it. <laughs> I said, absolutely not. <laughs> But on Twitter, still consistently somebody finding mm. my story and saying, hey, or seeing me talk about something throughout my day. Because, you know, in real time on Twitter, we are, we're revealing things. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm one of them people like, if I'm in a mood, I'm going to say it. Okay. Um, mm. And then realizing that there are certain people who don't feel like they have the opportunity to do that or the space mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like every day I'm holding space for people yeah. in some form of fashion. Mm-hmm. And then I'm finding ways to hold that space for me too. Yeah. Like not really take over that. It's so interesting to hear you say that via social media when right now a lot of the conversations is that social media is the cause <laughs> for a lot of Listen. mental health issues and just anxiety. It probably is. And I think both can be true, but it's interesting Very that that's much. your outlet. Like how are you able to mitigate that or like discern the difference between no I'm going to use social media for advocacy and not be bothered by you know what comes with it I think for me it's again going back to knowing who you are Um, if I know that I'm going to talk about this with my friends if I know that I'm getting ready to speak to a class and I'm talking about mental health and thriving in life if I know that I just had a great session with my therapist and maybe most of my followers don't have access to therapy and I took notes. I'm going to share that. You know, I also know that I always put this disclaimer out there. I'm not sharing everything you think I am, (laughs) but because of how transparent and honest I can be. But a lot of times I just feel like people need to see that people need to read it. They need to hear it. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to know like, there's a real person going through some real yeah. stuff yeah. in the midst of all of this, the highlights, mm. the the curated mm. content and mm. things of that nature where they're like, no, this is how I'm processing this shit. It's hard. Right. It's rough. I am really going through it. Somebody else may be going through this too. Yeah. Let's hold space for each other in so mm. many ways because I've made so many friends that I have not met. Yeah. And these people have been following me for over 10 years. Wow. And it's one of those things where they've seen me go through a lot of things or different life changes and milestones. And they're just like, you keep inspiring me to go. You keep inspiring me to change or you keep inspiring me to do better. And I think that's the part where it's like, if you use social media or your platform for the goodness of helping other people see, okay, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. This is who I am. This is how I am processing life. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at those four points, I feel like that would shift how people accept you or deal with you on social media. Now, if you want to do it to just do what you do, more power to you. But in the midst of that, show them something real. Mm -hmm. Be real. Mm -hmm. Like, be honest. And a lot of times, most people can't be honest with your lived experience because it's something you went through and they can't relate to that. Hence why that's where we get the, you know, the clapbacks and all the things. (laughs) But the thing is to still put it out there. Because there's somebody that may want to get to that level to have that experience. And you educating them on something that you ran into or that you had to deal with, that helps them. Right. It helps them. You're right. So I think for me, it's more so like me knowing that I got the help, that I've consistently had family support, Mm -hmm. that I've consistently always wanted to be better. Then I think that that encourages me to be like, well, darn I wonder if somebody else is going through this too or feels this yeah. way and just doesn't even really know how to really process that. And it and it changes the story for you at least. Yes. Right? Without, instead of being like, oh my gosh, I just need to get yes. over it. It's more like, at least you have the support to just live it, right? Yes. <laughs> so that, that changes things. That is it. For that sure. is it. And I'm all about... Mm-hmm figuring out ways to change narratives yeah. and change how people actually try to share their story or tell their right. stories because everybody, you know, even though it's your lived experience, a lot of times people, your delivery could be wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like some people like, cause you know, you got them yeah, people where they're like, like you okay. need to go to therapy because you're messed up. Right, like, wait right. a minute. What did right. I do to you? Right. Like, what did I do I'm to going. you? Okay. Like, that's no, it. that's not going to encourage somebody to go. <laughs> you, like, do you want to fight? <laughs> do you want to fight me okay. like, you know? <laughs> but no it's, it's more so like this is what I'm going through this mm-hmm. is how I've gotten through it this is how I'm processing it I am going to seek 
some professional help. I am processing in this way. I've never really put something out there that I didn't run by a therapist or a psychiatrist before. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, I used to have all three, a psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. a therapist, and a psychologist. And they all serve different purposes. But consistently, I have always had a therapist. I have always had somebody that I know I can sit down and I can talk to or I can bring things to and I can get through those things, period. Because life be like that is that is right thing thing. because one thing about it there's gonna be changes and there's gonna be things that we just cannot control so girl (laughs) (laughs) i'm like just fall in fucking line okay like cut it out (laughs) that's how it is so on that note just to wrap it up with you like how are you now like how you feeling now i'm in a great place I'm in a really great place. I feel like, you know, professionally, like I pivoted into an industry Mm -hmm. and it was scary. And I think that I would have really benefited from having a therapist to talk through that. But I think I did a really great job and I have to shout out my best friend, Nikki, who that girl has listened to me (laughs) grunt and moan and be upset. But, you know, me and her both, you know, have a lot of things in common and we both hold space for each other. We ask each other before we even talk Mm -hmm. if we want to talk about certain things. Do you have the emotional capacity to take Mm -hmm. this? Can I talk to you? Like, can we check in? Mm -hmm. And, um, having that friend having that person consistently there for you is always great so I'm in a really great place you know like I said we, we talked we touched on the dating mess girl yeah. um, I mean I'm gonna let it be what it's gonna be cause <laughs> God the putting an effort okay. into that right now absolutely okay. not um, but I am enjoying life mm-hmm. I'm at a point where I'm not dealing with the health crisis I'm not dealing with you know the after effects of going through post-divorce and things like that. I'm medical debt free. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a whole thing in itself. Cause yeah. this medical industry, health yes. industry. Oh right. my God. They will tax you. It's crazy. We so talk, oh, we got to talk about that too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm in a really right. good place and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful. Good. So grateful. Okay. I know, right? Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> so with that, I mean, Don, this was amazing, but like, what is your dream for black women? My, knowing that. Mm, knowing all of this, mm-hmm. my dream for black women would be that they utilize their voices and share their stories, mm-hmm. share their life. Um, a lot of times we hold back yeah. and we think that no one else is going to care because we are very rarely protected. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's the beauty of us black women. We create our own communities. We create our own pathways to kind of help bring someone along the journey. And I just... That's that would be it for me for them to just share, speak up and advocate for each other. Yes. Yeah. That part. My dream for black women, I think coming from I've now recognized I'm absolutely the strong friend. Like that is uh-huh. right. Come on, self awareness. Okay. <laughs> <It's key. laughs> so, so I recognize that about myself. And okay. so with that no knowing that, my dream is, you know, still be strong, but at the same time like just find outlets, be the outlet, like create the outlet, the mm. community to mm. to just like lean on someone else too. That. Lean on a community too. Lean love on that. lean on your experiences too, right? Yes. You know, sometimes that strength can come from not mm. getting through it versus just leaning I on it. I feel it. You know? It's happening. You feel it. Right? I feel it. It's happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, listen, something about the season. It's about to be. <laughs> we to are be. in the season. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in to another episode. Yes, yes. and thank you yes. for for sharing the space and creating the space for mm-hmm. people to really kind of hear and see from us to right. know exactly. that we are in these trenches with you mm-hmm. <laughs> on the battlefield. And uh, okay, well, if you like what you heard, where can they go, Don, to just, like, check us out more? Twitter, Instagram, at underscore Don Montgomery. Very there simple. Go. There we go. Everything is at Aquila Friends. I'm mainly on Instagram, but I'm starting to do the Twitter thing. I'm I saw you. I saw you. I saw you. I was like, she tweet. I know, that's right. I was like, wait a minute. Let me see what's going on over here. Um, so, yes, check us out on all those platforms. Obviously, mm-hmm. listen to um, Monuments to Me on mm-hmm. everywhere. You can hear yeah. podcasts and, and and then some. Until next time. Okay. That was so good. That was so good. Yes. yes. And I didn't ramble. Yes. <laughs> 
Thank you for tuning in to Monuments to Me. Thank you to Revolt for allowing us this safe space to have these important conversations. If you like what you heard today, then subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend about your new favorite podcast. Head over to Revolt.com to stay connected to all things Monuments to Me. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.